Hi there, and lovely to have you along with me, Cleon and Ianlun, for another podcast edition of Spoken Stories. This collection is called Creatures of the Earth, after the title of a story and a collection of stories by John McGahern. Each episode features a new story by a writer who is invited to consider what creatures of the earth might conjure up for them in a new story of their own. Previously, Spoken Stories Independence had writers think about how independence could present itself in a new story today, a hundred years after Ireland's War of Independence. John McGahern referred to the fact that his parents had experienced that War of Independence at first hand, its turbulence, its repercussions. And how McGahern's own generation was the first born into independent Ireland. And so, in its way, Spoken Stories Creatures of the Earth is a natural expansion to its predecessor, Spoken Stories Independence. Together, these stories are a creative contribution to Ireland's decade of centenaries, and they illustrate how variously ideas can be interpreted. Here now is Evgeny Storn about being one of the contributing writers to this series. The Spoken Stories has been an absolutely unique opportunity for me as it came in the exact moment of life when we were all enclosed in our houses observing the great unknown. So both the wonderful short stories of John McGahern and the work itself on my own humble contribution became a salvation. Is there anything better than to escape to a reality that is as vivid, funny, wise and deep as the one of McGahern and use it as an inspiration for your own creativity. It is also important to emphasize that the working on a short story which is inspired on another short story creates an inevitable and very often invisible links that are basically exist only for me and the author. It is the first time I was working in a project like that and I definitely would go for it again because it was really, really inspirational. Evgeny Storn. Now let's hear Evgeny Storn's story, Ness and Dorma, read by Dmitry Vinokurov. The day we mean to go to Milan, they close the city. It will be my first trip after two years of exhaustion and uncertainty, of dirtiness, of having no space of my own, of asphyxia, of living in direct provision. Knowing fear, separation, disaffection, lonely nights and overcrowded rooms full of unrealized desire and passion, and wasted energy. Memory likes to retain random facts that have nothing to add but casualty, which sometimes is a lot to add. Maybe that's why I still remember all that. I leave work in Temple Bar and walk around a bit before heading out to Monkstown where we're staying with Hedgehog in his beautiful white apartment with its golden fireplace. O'Connell Street is packed, and the bus stop near Parnell Street is full of people with massive travel bags. The people with the bags 
get on the same bus, the seven. I go upstairs, and they stay downstairs, so I don't know where they get out. I'm going home and will have the place to myself. Hajihawk is busy meeting friends, and Zayusha has another deadline and will be in UCD till he finishes, as he told me earlier. Going out home, like so many other evenings lately, I have no big expectations. Things in Ireland can be anything but fast, so I don't expect my travel document I'm waiting for to come any time soon. Nevertheless, as soon as I open the door, I look, as I do every day, to see if there is any post. Nothing. Besides me checking for post, the first thing we all do when we come into this spacious flat on Alma Road is turn on the heating. Its massive old windows, even in summer, make you wear a coat inside. Zayusha says we're like real aristocrats, decadent, poor, living in a gorgeous palace in ruins. I turn on the heating, make a cup of tea and dive into social media. Everybody is on about the virus that emerged in Wuhan in China. Like me, most people seem to be hearing the name Wuhan for the first time. I wonder if that was the way with Sarajevo in 1914. But all right, here again is just the randomness of memory. I'm trying to find a thread that is on about anything other than the virus. If its impact is exaggerated, or something serious, or if it's the beginning of the end, or the end, or the beginning. There is so much about conspiracies, about homegrown medical knowledge, virology, parasitology, immunology, on social philosophy and the effects of the Black Death on the development of Europe, and international relations, the US-China trade war. I switch off my phone. I'm sick of it, when suddenly I notice a piece of paper on the ground over at the front door. I go and pick it up. My name is on it. And Post has something for me in Blackrock that I can collect any weekday until 8. It's almost half past 7. Somehow, I know it's the document, and that my freedom of movement is now waiting there for me to be collected in the depot in Blackrock. I have it. The dark blue Geneva Convention document of a recognized refugee issued by the Department of Justice and Equality of the Republic of Ireland. I waited for over 700 days for this little booklet that allows me to travel again, see my friends, to reestablish my life, my life lost in the Madedva airport in Moscow that I left from, never to return. I'm holding in my shaking hands this impossibly precious pass to freedom that has cost me so much. I start crying. The man on the desk behind the dirty glass window is looking at me and says nothing. He understands I'm having a moment. He knows that it is the best to be silent. I run back home. Hajihok is there now, and delighted with my news. And when I phone him, Zayusha is too. Freedom. My soul-on-awaited freedom is becoming real. Freedom, 
is only fully understood in its absence. Suddenly, feeling unconditionally free and liberated is probably one of the most wonderful and inspiring things that a human being can experience. Hajihog asks, where I'd like to go first? I want to go everywhere, be everywhere. Well, everywhere except Wuhan. I have so many friends I'd like to see and hold. In Paris, Florence, Berlin, Amsterdam, Warsaw, and of course in Bilbao. Let me sleep on it, I say. For now, I just need to properly understand what has just happened to me. It's round 5 a.m. and I am lying in bed with my eyes open. The birds are already awake. When I go out to our back garden for a smoke, the grass is cold and wet from the morning dew. I hear in this clear, salty air in Mongstown a quiet voice somewhere far away, somewhere deep inside me, grown inside me. Nessun dorma, nessun dorma. Tu pure, o principessa nella tua fredda stanza guardi le stelle che trimano d'amore e di speranza. Delegua, o oh note, tramontate stelle, tramontate stelle, all'alba vincerò, vincerò, vincerò. I whisper to myself that I want to go to La Scala. We will all go together to celebrate my new life. Zayusha buys flights to Milan and books an apartment. Hajahog gets us tickets for La Scala, and I book a restaurant near the theater. It will be perfect. It's extremely empty. Coronavirus brings Milan to a standstill, says the Guardian. Coronavirus stalls Milan, Italy's economic engine, says the New York Times. EU rules out Schengen border closures amid Italy outbreak reports the Deutsche Welle. The woman renting us the apartment in Milan says that it's all media exaggeration, that things are perfectly fine. She isn't going to refund us if we don't come. People don't believe what is happening, don't know what to believe. Two weeks pass. Everything is intensifying. Everyone is getting overheated. Zayusha sees somewhere about if you hold your breath for 30 seconds and if you started coughing that most likely you've got COVID. We hold our breath for 10 seconds and are coughing. Online and offline, on public transport, in offices, in cafes, everybody, everywhere is talking about the horror that is happening in Italy. What started so far away in Wuhan is not in Ireland yet, but is in London. Any day one of us is going to start coughing or sneezing or losing our taste. Fear is real. Fear is tangible. Memory likes to retain random facts that have nothing to add but casualty, 
which sometimes is a lot to add. Maybe that's why I still remember all that. I'm buying rolls in my supermarket. A woman goes mad at someone for putting bread back on a tray after touching it. The virus, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, is real. There is no escaping it. This is our new life. Memory likes to retain random facts that have nothing to add but casualty, which sometimes is a lot to add. Maybe that's why I still remember all that. Our friends in Florence tell us to still fly to Milan, but to travel on to them, that everything where they are is fine. But other people are laughing at us now as the news keeps changing that we've picked the worst time to be heading to Italy. So now, we're not going to Milan or Florence. Zayusha goes to Helsinki for work, all the same. And I book a flight to Bilbao. Bilbao. My Bilbao, where I lived. When I was young, and my heart was an open book. You used to say, live and let live. We all know the lyrics. Because by mid-March, everything will be all right again. The world cannot stop for more than two weeks. This sentiment is everywhere. And anyway, if it is the end of the world, especially if it is the end of the world, I need to say hello, and at the same time, adios to Bilbao, the place where I was emancipated, where I came out, became in so many ways who I now am, where my values shifted, where my borders were knocked down, where I stopped being oneself, and became a multiple self, not only Russian, but a bit Basque, and now four years later, though not completely, also a bit Irish. Friends from my years in Bilbao hope to get there to meet up with me too. Thomas will come from Paris, Daniela from Rome, and Aranza still lives in Bilbao. After all, didn't we celebrate New Year together in Galway when I was living in direct provision there, and cycled on Inishmore under an intensely grey but incredibly light-filled Irish sky, just over a year ago, and celebrated 2007, 2008, 2009 together too. And didn't they visit me in St. Petersburg several times? Who are they to me if not my family? It is so important for me to get to Bilbao and see all of them. My people, my coasts, my hills. Now that I can again. Now that my travel document allows me. It will be so much more than a holiday for me. It will be a decisive bite for me of my eternal Madeleine. My Tom Retrouve. Meeting up again with my ten years younger self. Then ten kilos lighter, and ten times more hopeful, before so much of me was put on standby for ten years. My past I loved, my beautiful past, is reclaiming me now. Exactly when the world is submerging into a chaos, because of this terrifying and triumphant virus that resembles a crown, 
the crown of a new era in human history. The news is getting worse. Though Zayusha got to Helsinki for work, and Haji Hawk is staying in Ireland, Thomas insists he will still get to Bilbao. Daniele is staying put in Rome. I'm scared now. But I think if I get the virus in Bilbao, I won't be alone there. I have the language and no people in the city. The virus has now hit Ireland. Yet still there is a tiny hope that we will be able to contain it. Or that it won't be as cruel as it has been in China or Italy. I get an early taxi to Dublin airport. Spain also seems safe for now, and hopefully it stays like that, the taxi driver says. The poor Italians are very unlucky. And the government is considering cancelling the Paddy's Day parade. They won't dare cancel it. So many tourists are coming. I can hear that he's a bit angry. We are landing in Bilbao. I see below me the green hill of Archanda. Suddenly, unexpectedly, I am uncomfortable. It's like I've awoken from a long lethargic ten years sleep, and I am back again in this Basque city a decade ago, back in my former alien body before I came out. In the airport, I proudly hand my new refugee travel document to the border officer and smile. My eyes meet his surprised gaze. What are you doing here? Are the first words spoken to me in this country I love so much. I'm here to visit France, I say, still smiling, but already shaken inside. Let's stand aside for a moment. We have to let other people through first, he orders. I'm left there standing for what feels like such a long time, and it only increases my sense of uncertainty. I watch so many European citizens who, without even looking at the officer, hand him their passports. He scans them and, smiling, lets them pass through one after another. Some of them look at me suspecting, I can't help thinking, that I'm not one of them, that something isn't quite right with me, that I'm different. I know the look so well. As a gay boy, I noticed it on me all the time, and it hurt me, and still does now as an adult, as I am retained at the airport border point. After a time, I am interrogated about my reason for coming to Bilbao, about the people I am staying with, and why I have no proof of what I am saying, a letter of invitation or something. I look at the cruel eyes of the officer, I am being humiliated. When he calls my friends and asks them the same questions, he is all polite. I am not thinking of the virus now. But of all my terribly difficult ten years since I was lost in Bilbao, as a gay and stateless person in Russia, then as an asylum seeker in Ireland living in direct provision, I crush my way into the bus, find a seat, close my eyes, and don't open them until the bus stops at Termibus, the last stop, where my dear friend Arance is waiting for me. We hug each other, hold each other, and only then start laughing. Remember, the virus is everywhere. She then asks if I want to go to her place. 
I tell her that I'd prefer to take a walk to Casco Viejo, where we used to go after our language classes and have breakfast of the best tortilla de patatas in the world. The waiter looks at me and smiles. Aspaldico, long time no see, same as usual, he asks. Absolutely. And he serves me up a pincho de tortilla, un cartado y sumo de naranja. To think I have lived my entire life so far, several lives, buried most of my family, and lost so many other dear people, and that somewhere a waiter still remembers my favorite breakfast. When you set out on your journey to Ithaca, pray that the road is long. I whisper Kabafi's line. Aranza and I sit in our favorite corner chatting, but can't avoid hearing the news. Everything is closing down. People are being advised to work from home. Countries are closing borders, and Spain seems to be affected now as badly as Italy was a few weeks ago. I'm anxious, and Aranza seems worried too. Reading my mind, she says we will manage, and that even if they close the city, I can stay with her as long as is necessary. Zayusha writes from Finland that he's heading home to Dublin with everywhere closing and flights being cancelled. Ireland is closing schools and numbers there are rising exponentially. I managed to get a flight to Dublin too. I'm too worried to stay anywhere else. I feel huge uncertainty, worry, fear. I realize that home is a place to go to die. I feel an almost peaceful acceptance of nearing death. And if we're going to die, then I want to die at home. And I realize Dublin is now home. If the world is ending, I want to enjoy the best dinner we can together at home. I will make a fresh salad. Hajihok will make his incredible Jamaican jerk chicken. And Zayusha will make a special dessert. Bilbao Airport is nothing like when I landed just two days ago. Half of the lights are off. Now everyone is avoiding looking at each other and is keeping away from one another. Everywhere is closed. The shutters are down. My flight to Dublin from Bilbao is through Madrid. Everything is delayed, and as every hour passes, I feel less sure I will get back home. Only six of us are on the plane to Madrid. All exhausted by the length we waited. We're scared. Keep our distance. And at the same time, we're glad that we're not alone. That we're somehow supporting each other. I think how despite huge technological advances and our airplanes that fly so high in the sky, we're still such vulnerable creatures. Creatures of the earth. The plane is still climbing upwards over Bilbao when the voice of our captain comes on and speaks directly to each of us. I in turn hear, Mr. Storm, your plane to Dublin will be waiting for you in Madrid. Please go immediately to gate number four. We are sorry for any inconveniences, but please, no worries. We will make it. 
We will survive. We must trust and support each other. I wish you all good safe journeys back home. The six of us in the cabin look at each other and smile. There you heard Dmitry Vinokurov reading the story Ness and Dorma by Evgeny Storn for Spoken Stories. Next time, Maria Doyle Kennedy reads Flatland with Monuments by Keelan Hughes. And you can enjoy all of the commissioned fiction of Spoken Stories as they are broadcast on RTE Radio 1, on rte.ie forward slash culture and wherever you get your podcasts. From me, Cleon and Ian Lewin, thank you for listening.